Rowdy Roo, kangaroo. Cool. I got up and adjusted, fully adjusted my pants so that that uh, denim denim crashing together doesn't affect the, the sound quality. How much denim you got on? Oh, I got denim for days. Hit my nose clams real quick. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to the... No, that wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. Welcome... Ah, uh, no, so it wasn't. <laughs> I had to... I, I, I didn't have any air in my lungs. <laughs> welcome to the Trash Cats Trash Cast. I'm Richard. I'm Steven. Today we're going to analyze old and new horror by taking a look at two films, The Rear Window and Parasite. But first, Steven, how was your week? My week's been okay. Um, very excited about both of these movies. It was a treat to re-watch both of them. Um, week's going alright. Just finished an exam yesterday. Uh, I did pretty well. I got one question wrong. Hell yeah. So I did alright. Um, finally finished some fucking art I was stuck on forever. Um, so pretty good, except for uh, the kitty situation. That was a bummer, but... Yeah. I was going to talk to you about that because maybe we uh, still can figure out taking a trip to Detroit to visit you sometime soon. I mean, yeah, anytime. I'm, you know, within, you know, the reasons of the pandemic situations and whatnot. (laughs) But yeah. As soon um, as we finish recording, I'm driving to Detroit. Yeah, man. Head on up here. I'll have the the fucking uh, pullout bed ready for you. (laughs) Got to find out what's going on with all that denim. (laughs) All this denim. Y'all don't even know all this denim. Uh, oh, shit. I was going to mention, uh, it will have already been out by now, but our last podcast, The Skeleton Guitar, th- I I heard it on another podcast. The guy, It may have been a prank by a professional YouTuber that lives in Portland that makes exotic hats. <laughs> He has the world record for the tallest hat ever made, and they believe oh. it may have been a fake, but they don't know yet for sure. So that the, but either the, the, the skeleton guitar may have been a fake, not the tallest hat. Correct. The tallest hat is real. That's a very made, real. But uh, I don't know what the scoop is on that. But the guitar was fucking dope. So fuck it. Yeah. It, it, if nothing else, it looked cool. So you know, yeah. fucking whatever. That's half of art, right? Yeah. Uh, how was your week, man? Um, it's been pretty good. Um, a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of good stuff going on at work right now. That's always fun. Um, I got my haircut, so I'm feeling like a new man and everything's Fresh. great. Um, that brings up, I, I didn't know I actually wanted to include it as an honorable mention because it wasn't really, you know, it has nothing to do with anything new or anything, you know, interesting or fun. Um, but I did want to bring up that I've been binge watching Dragon Ball uh, <laughs> over again. Uh, I've watched it before, of course. I'm a big stupid nerd like that. Um, but uh, a friend of mine from back in Toronto uh, got me interested in rewatching again. Shout out to Brittany and the uh, George Brown family. Oh, um, yeah. But that's that's been my uh, my whole weekend, and most of my week has been. Going to sleep and then waking up and then watching more Dragon Ball. <laughs> Dude, who's your uh, favorite character? Uh, I mean, Goku, obviously, but... um, You got Goku vibes. 
I mean, Goku's my boy. Young, young Goku is my boy. Um, I don't know. I, I fuck with Roshi, though. Which one's uh, that? Uh, Master Roshi? Yeah. Oh, is he the old dude? Yeah, he's the, the turtle okay. hermit. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's he's an old perv, but he's dude, he's he's funny as fuck. I, I tried to get back into it, and it, it was one of those things, like, I wasn't, I don't think I was, like, allowed to watch it as a kid. So it, okay, yeah, that makes sense with your family. So, <laughs> so it was, like, magical, but I didn't have the chance to get into it. And then as an adult, I couldn't get back into it because I feel like I missed my chance. Oh, you know? no, absolutely not. I think it's better as an adult. Okay. Because there's so many, like, jokes that go over your head when you're a kid, especially the, the original Dragon Ball, not Dragon Ball Z. There's a lot of... um kind of adult references to stuff mm. um super good and such, it's such cool art i think it's on hulu i'm watching okay. on funimation but bet bet um any other honorable mentions i don't have any uh um, okay tell me about yours um i sent you the first one it is two photos in the chat mm-hmm. uh this guy his art name and Instagram handle is empty.pools. Um, he is a makeup slash jewelry artist of sorts. But those first two pictures I sent you, um, I'm not huge on all of his other stuff, but those two photos are so fucking dope. Yeah, that's pretty those? fucking wild. It's like he made his face with makeup to look like One's a heaven scene and one's a hell scene, but his his face becomes the art gallery with all the paintings like painted on his face and makeup and framed and all these weird piercings and it's just a, a real strong aesthetic look and it, it's absolutely beautiful. Now, is this actually the artist himself? I believe I'm not, you know I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but I was say, you, it's one thing to to do this, but if they're doing it on themselves, that's even fucking wilder. Well, I will send you his Instagram page real quick, and it he has like hundreds of different versions of similar things all on his face, so he definitely, if he's not physically doing it all to himself, he's definitely like the lead artistic director of it. You that's know what I mean? Really, yeah, that's really wild. It's all like experimental art makeup, uh, piercing, painting uh photography stuff it, it's very interesting yeah some of it i mean definitely isn't my thing but certain pieces are just gorgeous it, he's definitely got a great like bone structure and face to make art pieces out of it's very wild yeah really really interesting um use of space that i wouldn't have it wouldn't ever have had thought of myself so shouts yeah. out to that compositions on point very interesting um i'll move into the second one the second one's just uh i'm just gonna reference uh, i'm sure you've seen this guy uh if you want to click that link his his name is billilis i never know there are articles online about how to pronounce pronounce his name he's a extremely famous successful artist render artist oh Um, yeah he actually just did um the newest poster for diablo uh diablo's re-release uh at blizzcon 
Um, he did John Wick posters, Gears of War art. Like he's one of the biggest artists on Instagram. He's known for his his golden skull work. Um, I just was gonna mention him because I think we can look at his art um, in depth another time. But I just wanted to mention him because he did a uh, competition where he puts out a free skull digital skull assets. And then he runs competitions with them, so they're free to download the skull, and then you use it in your art. And uh, I put, I did, used it in one of my art pieces last week, and he commented on it and said it was mad. And um, fuck yeah, that was, that was just really cool of him. And that there were literally hundreds of pieces of art made through his competition, and I, I just think that's really cool, giving back kind of shit. Yeah, wow, it's it's really impressive work and and I was only I was disappointed a little bit when I realized that these were renders and not actually sculptures. Right. Um cuz they look so incredibly realistic like it's so just convincing. a thing. Yeah. Um I mean, it's still in, incredible and impressive. I just I was happy knowing that there's an, a physical object like some of these out in the world. Um, but knowing that there's the image is just as good and I'm happy with that. Yeah. I mean, his stuff is just, you see it and it's obviously gorgeous. Uh, the only thing I would, that kind of gets me on his work is that I think like half of, it's kind of like a tech nine album where half of it might be amazing. And the other half is just kind of like throwaways to me and it's like if you only would have put out the first good half it would have been amazing Mm -hmm. but he produces so much work but that's what you do to be successful that doesn't take away from all the amazing stuff he does but yeah just just a quick mention on him um i I also i do want to say real quick also on him is i i find a lot of gold used to be gaudy and kind of kind of shitty to look at but when it's embraced like he does with a lot of these it's i I think it's really impressive the the necro maria um is is really sick um it kind of you know uses that gold and and glorious kind of uh, uh vibe to make it work but also has a really you know brutal appearance to it yeah we'll we'll definitely dive into him one of these days but part of the reason I mentioned him is he has been selling. We were gonna. I really want to spend an episode on it. Um, but he's been doing a lot of the crypto art, where you digitally sell an art piece in the form of what essentially is a Bitcoin. And the idea is that a a digital piece of art then, in a way, becomes physical, and it becomes like the unique piece. There's only one of it. And they're selling on these digital auctions for absurd amounts of money. And the cool part is, is unlike physical art, um, like being sold at galleries, you can make sure like a percentage of the coin profits are yours forever. So no matter how many times the digital piece is sold, you always get a cut of each sale, which is... So these artists are making... Dude, it is crazy. So... A couple episodes ago, we talked about um, Beeble art. Mm-hmm. So, dude, this is so cool of him. He put out 
88, it's something like 88, 90 pieces of art on crypto art, and he sold them all for a dollar each. Damn. And his art is very expensive. Yeah. In physical and digital form, right? So he put out all these pieces for a dollar. And the idea was that then fans could get them for basically free and upsell them. So he was giving back to the community and said, you can sell this for whatever you can get for it digitally and make as much money. I'll get a cut of it, but it's like 10% and you guys can make money off my art. Dude, between the 90 or so pieces, guess how much money he made this week or these pieces were sold for. Upwards of $100,000. As of this afternoon, it was up to 800000 Jesus. For 80 pieces of digital art. So 800000 went to these fans. and Or it would have been like, you know, 690 and he got a hundred. you know? That's fucking bonkers. That's Dude, so awesome, though. This digital crypto market is changing things. It's very interesting. So one of these days we'll we'll dive into that more. Um uh last honorable mention. So this is actually a friend of mine that I've met online. His personal art handle, actually I sent you one of his pieces in the mm-hmm. chat. We'll start yeah. with that. This dude's name is Dylan and his art handle on Instagram is Meta Melancholia which is a beautiful name. Um, He does analog digital collage and photography. Um, It's very old school, often black and white collage, excuse me, analog collage work. The piece I sent you though is like, it's almost like retro horror color. Yeah. It's really beautiful. The kind of unsaturated colors through a lot of it with, and then the, the, in the places where it's very saturated, um to make it stick out it really interesting he often focuses on eyeballs and like weird trippy occult horror shit he's definitely got strong horror vibes um but this dude does some really cool stuff um so definitely check out his personal art i'm a big fan of his um but what what i think is what makes him that much fucking cooler so there's another link in the the pod notes that goes to his project. And this project is a... So he lives in Estonia. And this is a digital art sign he created called Semi-Oculus. Um, nice. And there's a website. Uh, the, the website... So... This sign does get printed, and you can get print issues from him directly, I believe. Um, but the website for the sign is semioculus.tumblr.com. So I'll run through a Tumblr. S-E-M-I-O-C-U-L-U-S.tumblr.com. And it's free digital issues of this sign. And it's uh, there's some big-name artists in it, but it's mostly like just random artists online and it's like a beautiful collection. Each episode is like crafted, sometimes to a theme. Uh, there's graphic design involved. It, they're beautiful. They're stunning uh, digital designs, and they're all free. Um, I've been in a couple episodes uh, or issues, um, 
And I just think it's so cool what he's doing. Signs are often like just not well done or like, I don't know. Like it's, I've always wanted to be more involved in something like that, but it rarely works out where it's a really cool collection. And I just think he's doing something very, very fucking awesome. Yeah. The, the images on the, on the, uh, the Tumblr here, they're fucking awesome. They're really good looking. Yeah. Interesting design choices that I, I always love It's Like I love seeing good graphic design kind of stuff. Number one, cause I, I, I don't feel like I'm good at it in any sense. I want to be, but I, I love composition. I, I just a, a good composition gets me every time, regardless of the the subject matter. Did and, you? Sorry, did you open this link by any chance? Uh, this Google Drive. I one? did. Yeah. That so that this is their newest episode, uh, or issue eleven, I think. It just came out a couple days ago, and if you guys check it out on their Tumblr, like it has the cover, which is beautiful, but then you get to the table of contents, and it's like so well, does like graphically designed. It looks so cool. It yeah. fits the images just perfectly, and it's just filled with a bunch of really cool art. Uh, not it's not all digital work, like collage, uh, horror art, all called just all kinds of cool random dark shit. It's really cool, good. Yeah, it, it it definitely fits in really well into its you know it, it's it's all separate but equal you know kind of pieces. Yeah, it was fun to see what my stuff got paired with in previous ones. Nice, and it, you know, to see your work in a different format like that was really fun. Um, that's it. Um, I think. I think that does it for honorable mentions. Definitely. So check out um, Meta Melancholia and his art project, uh, Semi Oculus. Hell yeah. So we watched Rear Window. Oh, yes. And Parasite. Now, both of us had seen these movies before. Yes. Um, Multiple times. Yeah. And. Steven, it was Steven's idea to watch these two movies, and I was so fucking pumped. <laughs> um, I'd watched Rear Window the first time, um, and I, I was, I'm almost certain I was drunk, and it was um, a Turner Classic Movie Marathon mm-hmm. of Hitchcock movies at my <laughs> uh, significant other's house. Um, and Hitchcock. we... Yeah, so that we... I, I don't even... I, I'm not even sure if I watched it from the beginning. Oh, we definitely did because I, we saw the, the helicopter scene. And I remember thinking that was fucking weird, dude. Okay. We'll get to that. Yeah, we'll we're going to get to that. Okay. Right. <laughs> dude, for the, for years until writing this episode, I really did think it was the rear view window. Yeah. It, that I, threw me off so hard. I looked it up in uh, Amazon or on uh, uh, wherever I streamed it at, looking up rear view window, and it didn't come up, and I couldn't figure out why. That's funny, man. So right off the bat, this is this movie, uh, Rear Window, directed by Hitchcock or Spaniel. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, he really is like the OG master of horror, or Edgar Allan Poe of film. It's, yeah. It's just the classics. I, I think it's... It's fair to say that what he did 
it's kind of hard to call it horror now. Right. Um, but for the the time, absolutely. Like the idea of this suspenseful ass, you know, murder and plot twists and stuff in film, you know, wasn't really much of a thing. You know, at the time, the what was horror was the the monster movie shit. Right. God, those I can't watch those. Man. Yeah, they like, don't do it. For it's me. funny in a way, but like it's it's way, hard to yeah. sit through. Right. Now, do you do you know much about him? Like I his, do not. So I I'm I don't know this stuff as well as I'd like to, but I've listened to a couple things on him, and from what I understand, Hitchcock was a real asshole, just mm. a real a real piece of work. Apparently, like as his career like grew and he gained notoriety, he he pulled pranks on people like famous actors, actresses, people in the movie and the pranks would escalate in scale. Like he would order people like furniture for their house, like expensive shit. And he'd make sure none of it could fit in the door of their house. Like he would, (laughs) he would do like expensive (laughs) pranks that would go really out of hand. And like, um, like one person was afraid of fire, so he pretended to light them on fire. Like he, he like would, he would wow. do like s- some dangerous, like weird shit. But um, and then in the movie uh, Birds, which I have never been able to get through, it just is too monster movie ish for me. But that actress, what is her name? She's a famous actress. Ooh. Do you mind looking her name up? I absolutely will. Dude, you rock. Um, so during that movie, at at the end, there's a scene where the birds are tearing her face apart, like eating her flesh and shit. And uh, dude, he threw birds at her face for like two days, and she like for the rest of her life felt emotionally and physically scarred by it. One of the birds cut open her eye at one point, and he was delighted by the whole process because apparently during the shooting of the movie he became obsessed with her and was trying to court her and she kept denying him so he would send her gifts and do all kinds of weird shit and when he got the chance to basically abuse her at the end of this movie he got really creepy with some birds (laughs) um let's see here um hedron um Sorry, Tippi Hedren. Yeah, Tippi Hedren. Yeah, I had to look yeah. up which actress in the movie it was, so I have went oh, down a. Oh, you fun, know Tippi. So I, I I have a fun search history now of uh, birds, <laughs> birds. It was birds, and then birds cast, oh, and then birds shit. movie cast. So my kind of thoughts are on him. He's one of those people where I do feel like it was easier than some artists to separate him from his work. Um, Maybe some of that's because uh, so much of it is like before our time in a way. It's, it's not, it's hard to say it's excusable because people, you know, people knew that shit like that was fucked up back then, (laughs) but it's, doesn't sound far off from the typical typical behavior of a man of a white man in the 1950s <laughs> or in but, the, the 20th century 
Right. So he he kind of sounds like he was a madman, but it, if you know, in his field, he was a creative genius and really right. changed how we think of film and horror, um, especially. Yeah. So. Do you want to start off with the the establishing shot? Yeah. So of rear window. Um. The so beginning it, it starts out. It shows, um, you know, it shows up the the entire setting of the film. It's all set up in a long fluid shot, um, showing the window, the main character's perspective, uh, the setting of this group of apartments, uh, all cent- centering around like a courtyard. Um, yeah. It's a beautiful the the coloring on it i think the first time i watched it it was in black and white um but uh, this coloring watch or a colored watch is a really stark like the tone of just like the really you know the the way they did technicolor was like super saturated and it sets a a strong atmosphere of like this kind of you know um late afternoon early evening time you know, you can kind of see the color in the sun and, um, golden hour shit. Yeah. It's, it's bold. Yeah. It, so I was just looking up. So Technicolor is, it's actually a series of color motion picture processes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I didn't, I was wondering, so was the movie, do you know, was it originally black and white? It was black and white. Interesting. So it was later run through the Technicolor motion picture process yeah um interesting we had to look it up during um the watch because we um we were noticing that the like their eyes were like super bright blue and we're like that's there's no fucking way that that was i noticed that also colored like that yeah or that was originally like that it was filmed in black and white and then dude what i love is that film grain though like you can like in digital like in Parasite and, you know, modern movies, even if they replicate with effects the digital film grain, it yeah. is never true to the the real texture of original film. Mm. I, I don't know shit about film, so I'm going to agree with you. I know a little bit, not enough, but I know film has such a richer feel to it and and this film felt like it was technicolor but it felt really gritty and bold um i I loved how it looked yeah it was it's very homey i i it's hard to say i i didn't feel like i was watching an old movie i only felt like that because of the you know the outfits that people were wearing and some of the mannerisms of people um, yeah, but there is, there's definitely a point at, at, you know, my mom thought she, she said she thought somebody th- thought she saw somebody holding a phone, like a cell phone. Um, <laughs> and it was funny. just, you know, the, the casualness of it. Right. Um, that it, it felt, uh, super relatable. It didn't feel like, you know, a, a separate world. Like some older movies have that right. feeling where it's like, ah, this is a, a whole different time. Yeah, um, and it becomes like more unrelatable in a, in a sense. Right. It's like, oh, that was way back then. This felt, regardless of the time period, that the story was valid. Right. Um, yeah. So this setting, they're they're in this group of apartments. 
um, all basically facing a courtyard. It's a hot New York summer day, and uh, it's the world without AC at the time. Yeah. So everyone's like sweating like crazy, but they're all active and going about their day. And then we get to the helicopter shot right after the establishing shot. There's this quick shot of a helicopter above the apartments that it seems like it's green screened in. It's clearly green screened in. It's definitely green screened in. It is the only shot of any of his films and this film, certainly, that it doesn't make sense why it's even there. I don't even get it. It is weird. I laughed right away. You know what? I'm going to... I haven't... Did you look up what... No, please. Okay, I'm going to look up because there might be some kind of weird reference to... I feel like they were just trying to show that the neighborhood was, like, busy or something. And they... It's so funny, though. Like, it's definitely worth keeping a lookout for because it's so out of place and weird. And it's, like... The only time in the film that you could tell it was like an obvious bad edit. <laughs> yeah, I. There's a lot of stuff in here about like some of the pranks that he pulled on people made them into the movie. <laughs> that's that's kind of fun. I didn't know that. That's so, funny. or at least the um, there's a scene with the uh, the man and the woman on the fire escape, and they're struggling to get back in the the house out get out of the rain. It was based on a prank yeah. that he played. Oh, I I've heard. I know what that's referenced to. Dude, so while you're looking that up, so the score, we talked a little bit about this earlier too. The music for this is absolutely outstanding and bananas. Like it opens up with some crazy old school or- orchestral music that is like so old-timey and beautiful but it's so funny um but throughout the movie like the neighborhood so so much of the movie is watching out this window and the score becomes crafted by the noisescape of the surrounding neighborhood like it it really helps put you in, in the apartment you you you're seeing shit and you're hearing everything going on, all the neighbors, the sounds of their activities. Um, and in particular, one of the neighbors is a professional piano concertist. Um, so you hear his beautiful piano playing, like creep in and out of these long shots. And it it is stunning. I I think that was one of the most impressive things for me was the attention to the audio and how it was crafted to the scenes okay you're stuck on the helicopter i'm still (laughs) man i'm i'm really tracking here because man i can't find a single thing the i found okay here here a low-flying helicopter soon approaches (laughs) to spy on the woman what the okay so there's okay 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 here here we go when the editor calls on on the phone he sees two females on the roof terrace across the way crouched down behind the wall to nude sunbathe they take off their pajamas a low-flying helicopter soon approaches to spy on the women i missed that part and i missed all of that yeah that must have been a real quick weird shot and god that sounds like his sense of humor created that shot yeah it 
completely did not appear that way. I thought it was just a helicopter, and I was waiting, like, man, I don't remember what happened with this helicopter. And then it was just gone, and then never mentioned again. Never mentioned again. Um, yeah, so the, the plot revolves around this small handful of characters and cast of neighbors as we observe the main characters watching out this rear window on a hot day. You want to kick it off with uh, Mr. Jeffries, our leading man? Yeah, Mr. Jeffries. Um, so he's a war correspondent and magazine photographer. Uh, he broke his leg while uh, photo- uh, photographing a car race. Um, Dude, that picture. Did you catch that? No. So before we know his leg is broken, they do this like rolling shot setting up the apartment, and there's a photograph of like a NASCAR-ish, like an old-timey NASCAR, like exploding and the tire coming towards the the viewer. No, I and- missed that because I was I was uh, I really like the picture of it. It's a portrait, but it's a negative. He has the negative framed of oh. a woman. It's a woman's portrait. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I th- I thought that was cool. I was like, oh, that was the that's a good way of introducing immediately that this person's a photographer. Because yeah. who else is going to, no, no, number, number have one, have the the negative, but then be proud of it. And be a creepy photographer right? have a negative. But yet, dude, this photo is so funny. And I remember thinking to myself, whoever took that photo was dead. And then it pans <laughs> over it and Mr. Jeffries <laughs> is in his, uh, he's got his legs broken. So he's in this chonky plaster cap, cast up to his hip yeah. in a wheelchair. I'm like, oh, I get it. I see what you did there. Here, here lies the bol- uh, the bones of J.B. Jeffries or whatever. That- <laughs> <laughs> Jeffries. Um, so he's bored. He's passing passing the hot afternoon by watching out his window. Uh, he particularly likes watching <laughs> Mrs. Torso, um, this hot ballet chick from across the street. Um, yeah. There's a new couple in the building that's bickering. And uh, a lonely woman that's eating dinner by herself, and oh, she got got sad throughout the. Movie. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty dark part. She about got everybody killed because she was too busy overdosing by herself, and they're peeping on her. Right. <laughs> and then the the piano player. Yeah. Uh, he, I think he was my favorite. Yeah, he was cool. I, I liked the. Um, there's a scene where there's a party going on, and it's just progressively more and more and more people, and eventually the apartment's just. It, it, excuse me. He says it's a studio apartment, but it just <laughs> ends up packed full of fucking people, and they're all like smoking their old cigarettes with the stems and like passing out drunk. Ah, uh, that shot like made me want to party with them. That looks so much fun. Also, I, I like to point out. It, they state that it's a studio apartment, but number one, there's a fireplace in that apartment. Number two, <laughs> there's a grand fucking piano in that apartment. That where, is, probably- where is this man sleeping? <laughs> on the, In the piano. Yeah. That's where pianists sleep, right? Yeah, just on cr- uh, sitting in the chair, leaned up against the piano. No, no, they they have to crawl inside the oh, piano and close that's, it. That's what it's open for. That's where piano players sleep every night. That's where the bed go. Now, there was something funny I'm going to see if you caught here in a minute. But So they're watching out the window, observing the neighbors, and then our next lead character enters the movie. She's kind of a secondary. This is Mr. Jeffrey's housekeeper, Stella. 
and she's got a little attitude. She's fun. She's yeah. got a little pep. I I like Stella. She was cool. Yeah, she's watching uh, Jeffries peer out the window, and she says, oh, aren't we all a race of peeping Toms? Like, she was very aware of what was going on. Yeah. Um, and I think he remarks something like, get me out of this swamp of boredom, or I'll do something crazy like getting married. It was something. I didn't catch that one. I mean, I, I didn't line for line catch all of it, but yeah, he was he was definitely stir crazy. Yeah. He hated uh, it. I mean, I transcribed the entire movie. Oh, that sounds like some wild shit that you would do, so I wouldn't doubt it, even though you're probably joking. It was just pages and pages. Of <laughs> uh, you want to pick up Lisa? Uh, yeah, so um, Lisa Fremont. Um, Lisa Carroll Lisa Carroll Fremont, you're right. <laughs> uh, she's a love interest uh, in the movie. She manages to, uh, a local magazine. Um, she, it's like a fashion magazine, right? Yeah, they did interviews and some stuff, but it wasn't what he is accustomed to. Yeah, sure. yeah. Um, so she tries to convince him uh, to quit doing the extreme journalism and come join her uh, her and her business. Um, definitely cares for him, um, but they're both trying to manipulate each other to different ends. Um, yeah, he was clearly trying to just have sex and she was less she more wanted to have sex to get him to work for her yeah (laughs) um so one of her uh the great lines was uh woman's hardest job juggling or woman's hardest job is juggling the wolves yeah she said it at a really good moment too and you could tell it kind of showed like especially for this period in film she was a really bold uh, female lead character. I mean, she, the Jeffries is definitely the main, but she was a strong character. Yeah, I I like in your notes here. You put he's rude, and then <laughs> and, and it, it looks like he's you're going on to say and something else about him, but like no, it's just he's rude, and because he, he is, <laughs> he was very rude. He reminded he had James Bond vibes for me. Yeah, like like out of work James Bond. Oh, that's really funny to me. Uh, yeah, he was rude, and then she was very caring and kind, but she was also cunningly manipulative. Like I she, I feel like I I can see that, but that wasn't the vibe that I got as much. It was like you can definitely see that she was trying to convince him to stay and work with her out of love. Yeah, I felt like it was more out of love. I, I I think you're probably right. It seemed like it was a real mix, though. Like, they both... The morality of both of them is definitely questioned throughout mm. the film. Yeah. But it, she definitely cared more about him than I think he cared about her. I, I liked how the, um, the character gr- development changed so much throughout the movie and it's like over like the course of like what like three three days or something it it might have been longer but it was a relatively short amount of time yeah. like a week or two tops might have been less than that but what what percentage of the movie do you think was watching out of the window i was kind of wondering i want to, I want to see if there's yeah. a breakdown of that I, I mean i would guess more than half really yeah See, my guess is it's probably like 15% 
but it it's deceiving. You know what I mean? Because like a lot of the window, a lot of the movie is watching out of this window or just in their apartment, but it's all driven by this this dialogue that's it's it's like subtle, but it's still so intriguing. It feels intense. It's the slow burn, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like it's packed full of action, and you're really just like people watching in a way. Yeah, it it really. Um, now that you're mentioning that, I I can I'm thinking back in the um, I guess the idea of uh, um of when it actually shows like it looked like you're you're looking out the window rather than like showing them in their Watch. view out the window. Yeah, it's it's kind of different. Right. But I, you know, definitely more of the um, plot happens within the room. Yeah. Now, did you catch one of the moments when they're looking out of the window? We get a cameo of Hitchcock at the piano player's apartment. Yeah, I did see that. And I, I questioned it at first because I was like, is that Ryan? It's like, oh, oh, shit. Yeah, it is. Dude, that made me really happy. I was like, ah, good for him. That was funny. Um. Now, part of what I found very so I I've been trying to write this book that I still haven't shown you. Yeah, that I will. This um, this so called book that book. supposedly exists <laughs> in some form or another. So I've been doing a lot of research on writing dialogue lately because mm. it's still pretty new to me. I'm not a good writer, so. Compared to Parasite specifically, the writing of Rear Window, the dialogue, it felt like it was like magical realism where everything is like all their dialogue to each other is like prose, like old Shakespeare in a way where it's like clever, witty, playful. Everything's like overly embellished. It's not like um, realistic yeah. dialogue conversation shit it's all like it's almost super, like it was written before yeah they super said it. punched up yeah. right but it's like if you can do that well enough it feels natural to watch but if it's not done well enough it's like so fucking hard to pull off and yeah like i especially stella because she's got all this fucking attitude but she's like clever about everything and it didn't feel cheesy it like reminded you of like an old lady down the street you knew who smoked cigarettes all day like it still felt very real even though it was like the writing was so goofy i i in my head i imagine that's probably one of the hardest things about doing like stage performances is yeah. getting dialogue you, you know uh that that doesn't feel fucking weird to project your voice in a way, but also, you know, not sound like you're yelling at somebody that's five feet from you, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and still having the cadence of, we're just having a conversation and this is a normal thing to say to you right now <laughs> and the, have the audience understand what you're saying. Right. Dude, I'm, for me, writing dialogue is extremely challenging. Oh, I, I can only imagine. I'm really struggling with it, and it really makes me appreciate like films such as these that that do it so well. Um, now, this movie had tons of these long like voyeur voyeur shots. 
have you by any chance seen that motel documentary called voyeur i have not dude this is a fun one i'm just gonna take a little side note so you will like this documentary it's called voyeur i think it's on it's either netflix or hulu but it's um they know it's a true story but there is some debate on to what extent of it is true but it's about this old creepy pervert who built a motel or like renovated this motel that him and his wife bought and he outfitted it so he could go up into the attic and walk above each room in the motel and he had peepholes into every room and he would like record shit do all kinds of weird shit and he operated doing this as a voice supposedly for him it wasn't about sex he just became obsessed into looking into people's lives and he did this for like over 30 years. Wow. And he had notes and shit. And he eventually Fucking reached out wow. to a reporter and told the story himself. Like he didn't get in legal trouble. The motel sold at points. And then as he, in his old age, he wanted to tell the story. So that's why there's some debate on to what extent of things are true. But it definitely happened. And the documentary is thrilling it is bizarre creepy scary it is a really good one there's definitely a i think it's on netflix um there's a movie about a guy that does that with like b&bs like airbnbs um mm, that's it's terrible, it? more of a horror you know scripted horror movie but yeah that's the same idea he's got hidden cameras all over the fucking place uh fucking creeps so that's kind of like, this movie really f- felt like you were peering into people's worlds. And yeah. it really is like the ultimate people people watching movie. I mean, it's, dude, have you... I was going to say, it feels like it, it's it's right on the, the, the line of, this is weird, and like you said, just people watching. Like, yeah. I, I, I love I love going to like a place, um, when I lived in Toronto, I'd go to... Uh, the Young and Dundas Square, and sit on the the um, corner by the Eaton Center Mall, and just draw people as they were like standing watching yeah. a show, or like walking by waiting for the bus or whatever, or the the I mean, not the bus, but the crosswalk or whatever. Um, it's a really you know fun way for an introverted person to feel like they're part of society. Um, <laughs> but there's it does cross a line when you, especially when you're looking into people's homes. You know, oh, everyone yeah. who's lived in an apartment building that's or a place that's like apart across from an apartment building, yeah. you looked a little bit, you yeah. know, maybe not stared and tried to pick apart what they're doing and shit like that. But, um, but it's, hu- it's human nature. Yeah. And the way they do it builds suspense of like, maybe I shouldn't be viewing into someone's window like this for so long, for so long. Maybe they'll look up and also see me looking at them and then that's going to be awkward right now now here's a so they're all watching so jeffrey's lisa and stella they're all watching out the window as a series Mm. of mysterious events unfold uh at the neighbors across the streets and before we we get into the unhappy thornwald couple i wanted to ask you have you seen any like like we know satellites can zoom like 
right onto your face and like they can see you from outer space but if you've seen some of the super camera resolutions no dude there's this one dude who makes a like a kit for like it seems like a regular dslr camera but he's got these crazy handcrafted lenses and like this backpack of gear that like powers the camera dude you can zoom it like it looks like a photo like he'll take a photo and it'll look like a photo of the new york city skyline and then if you're on the computer you could zoom into every window from that photo like it can he like you can zoom for like miles that's kind of fucked Dude, i mean that's it awesome technology wild. for sure yeah it's like an infinite zoom video like but it's just one single photo like there is so much like crazy lens shit now um like snipers are sniping they're killing yeah. people with headshots two miles away yeah like one and a half two miles and then real quick have you seen the thing dude have you seen the heartbeat signature stuff no so like fingerprints are really fucking hard to beat right right but they can kind of like they're 99.99 whatever percent accurate but you could burn your fingerprints off there could be a mistake there's some like algorithm involved in checking them so one of the new things that is already out um but it's not really used much yet is heartbeat signatures if you like using like I'm, an echo I'm, my mouth is open in awe dude you record the sound of someone's heart and the sound of it echoing through their heart chamber is a unique signature to that person. I didn't realize that that was a unique thing, I guess. I wouldn't have thought of it as a way to ID a person. Yeah, for that's sure. pretty fucking wild. I mean, I can imagine that, I mean, not everybody's is the same for sure, but right. there can't be that many different. It's an infinite amount because it's the exact structure of your heart. The sound is so unique and different that's some really high-tech recording so supposedly there are private companies like partnering with prisons and stuff like high-level terrorists or high-level arrests and shit where during intakes or at different points they're recording people's heartbeats with this special program or tool and it currently doesn't work the way they want to but there is a company that is building a satellite that uses lasers to detect heartbeat signatures anywhere in the world. And it is not functional, does not exist yet, but it is the next level. Like where, you know, you get a fingerprint when somebody gets caught with something it scans into the system. You know, you can track a cell phone, but you can lose it. You know, you can ditch it. There will be a point where we can track people anywhere around the world, anytime, by the sound of their heartbeat. That's wild. Yeah, that's so fucking buck wild. I, I, I never in a million years would have guessed that that's the way that they're going to track people. It's like we're worried about like uh, CCTV and shit, and it's like 
yeah, people are fighting against it, the government's fighting for it, but in the meantime, like, there's all kinds of other fucking shit happening, you or know? People worried about, like, getting the, you know, uh, a chip implanted in them or something, you know, for whatever other reason, and then, like, oh, that's right. how they're going to attract me. It's like, first of all, what the fuck are you doing that they want to know what the fuck you're doing? <laughs> It's like they're already listening to everything. On yeah, your phone. If, if they you, got your heartbeat signature filed away. Right. It's like maybe don't do crime. Number one. Number two. You know, if, if you if you get the chip in in your body, don't do crime. What's wrong with crime? All right. <laughs> but there <laughs> is a little, toxic. Just a little crime as a treat. But think about it. Like your phone uses your fingerprint. Your pulse is going through your phone. Oh, yeah. There's talks of that being able to record your heartbeat signature. Well, hell, I use the fucking heartbeat monitor on my phone. It's done. They had already they, had If it. you got an Apple Watch, they got it. Dude, just crazy. I don't know. I just it's, saw how that kind of relates, but I also just wanted to talk about it. Yeah. You want to pick us up at uh, Thornwalds? Oh, the fucking Thornwalds. I kind of right. like type this as like a breakdown of the rising action yeah no it, so it it happens in in that way also so that makes sense so and, and real quick we don't for both of these movies we're not going to give away the endings or like the major spoilers you know yeah um the all right so unhappy couple you can see them um the the missus she's she's shown in bed like bedridden can't can't get out um the sickly yeah she's sick so um the missus disappears one night um the mr mrs mrs work now hold on mr mrs work is that not clear (laughs) (laughs) oh that's funny that's funny the the notes fuck me up that's really funny um so so the woman disappears one night um, the husband the, misses the, work. The husband misses work. He, they, they show him leaving in the rain multiple times at nighttime, like three o'clock in the morning, and then yeah. coming back. Yeah, and then leaving again, and then coming back. Um, he has suitcases, uh, tied or has a, a suitcase tied with thick ropes. Um, they he has different tools that they can see from the apartment. He's got hacksaw blades and, and uh, some other various tools he's got. Um, they show the, the dog digging up the, this garden that he's tended to, and he shoes the dog away. Um, and, and Jeffrey's Lisa Stelt, they th- they have old photographs of the garden and they can tell that the garden was disturbed and the flowers aren't as tall as they were. X weeks ago so something must have been buried there and that's where the body you know they think she's in the trunk maybe she's in the garden dogs digging up the garden and then like the next day the dog is found strangled in the courtyard and it's like holy shit this dude did kill his wife so the throughout all this so you know he's Jeffries is trying to convince Lisa and Stella um that Mr. Thornwall murders murder his wife. And they, they, he gets, he gets them like they're skeptical at a certain point and then like they dismiss it and then he gets them back on. And like, it's like a roller coaster in that even of like them, like 
trying to keep them on his side. Um, they call up uh, uh, an old war buddy that Jeffrey had, who's now a, a cop, or he's a detective, a private detective. Yeah, um, and this cop even steals Mr. Thornwald's mail. Yeah. <laughs> search for clues. It's like, I don't have a warrant to go in, but I will steal his mail. I'll just kind of reach up in that mailbox real quick. Uh, so we don't want to give away these like end sequences, but it, it all kind of comes to this like um, grand finale and sequence at the end. That is, it gets kind of cheesy, but it's really good and uh, intense. Yeah. Um, it, it, like I said, it's a fun, it's not even like, it's hard to call it a horror movie. It's a fun, suspenseful movie yeah. at this point. But it is, it's definitely a good watch. It's kind of like the precursor uh, to horror, in a way. Yeah. It's like uh, Sudafed to meth. Yeah, totally. Right. Uh, th- this movie is really ahead of its time, and I feel like it's very relevant today in, in the ways it metaphorically relates to the ethics of modern surveillance and like shit like peeping on people. Um, at one point, they discuss if it's ethical to watch out the window if it proves that no crime was actually committed, and that's exactly... Um, there's so many similarities between that and state surveillance CCTV. Yeah. Um, I really like when uh, one of the lines was that the camera is a portable keyhole. And that, that really is like the theme of this movie is right. peering through the keyhole straight Alice in Wonderland. Straight up. Uh, um, I was... I was- Thinking that Wonderland had a different name, and I was going to say a thing, and I realized that was stupid. You know, Lewis Carroll was a pervert, too. A lot of people were perverts. I know. It's disappointing, man. Yeah, it's pretty fucked up. That book is one of the rare books that did not escape his author being that fucked up. He read Alice in Wonderland to his his nieces and the kids to, like, touch him. (sighs) Or do weird shit. I don't know what exactly it was, but it was weird damn diddlers diddlers so uh do we want to end rear window just by saying jeffrey's lisa stella they concoct a plan to unfold the mystery by digging up mr thornwald's flower garden to find the dead body but mr thornwald comes home early dun 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 (laughs) dude i I forgot how good that movie is, though. Yeah. Like, Till I rewatch it, it's one of like the the classics. Yeah. So much fun. That one, and I boy, I can't remember the name of the other Hitchcock movie that I watched that night. That was really really good. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Dial M for Murder. It was not. Um, Honestly, and I I, I couldn't that. find the title based on typing in the description <laughs> to Google. Damn. Uh, have you watched his show, Alfred Hitchcock Presents? No. It's like his version of Twilight Zone. Oh. Each episode's a different thing. It's old school black and white. Very, it's like, I mean, it's so surreal. It really is his version of Twilight Zone. It's very good. Um, I think it's on Amazon currently, but it. if you love Twilight Zone, 
and you go through all the seasons, there's nothing else to watch. It might not be quite as good as Rod Sterling, but you have to watch it. It's very fucking good. Is each episode a thing that he directed and and did yep. like specifically for it? Okay. Yeah, cool. and it's funny like how Rod Sterling kicks off Twilight Zone. Uh, Hitchcock does the intro and exit of each episode, and they're always goofy skits slash pranks. Like you watch him be very silly. It's interesting. Cool. Now I'll look into it. Uh, how you feeling? Should we get do uh? Parasite? Yeah, man. What do you think? I fucking love this movie. Dude. It's outstanding. It's really good, and it's really well done, and it came out just in time for people to watch it during quarantine. I mean, it came, out, true? it came out right before that, but I think it got a lot of popularity last year. Yeah. Um, because of it. It won, it won a shit ton of awards, right? Yeah. Um, actually, I pulled up, I left the Wikipedia page open. I was going <laughs> to try to make a list, and I realized there's so fucking many of them. Um, uh, fuck, four uh, uh, leading, uh, won four awards at the 92nd Academy Awards. It got Best Picture. Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, Best International Feature Film. Uh, it became the first non-English language film to win the Academy Award for Best Picture. Yeah, um, yeah. It is the first South Korean film to receive an Academy Award recognition and one of three films to win both the uh, Palme d'Or, I don't I know, I'm fucking butchering that, and the Academy Award for Best Picture it won the Golden Globe Award for Best Foreign Film and the BAFTA Award for Best Film Not in the English Language. Became the first non-English film to win the Screen Actors Guild Award for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture. How long is this list? Um, the only couple more. <laughs> and the 56th Grand Bell Awards and the 40th, 40th Blue Dragon Film Awards. It had uh, 11 nominations and 5 wins. Wow. Uh, at the... And- 56 Baksang Arts Awards. It had 12 nominations and three wins. Now, how do you say this director's name? I feel bad. It is uh, Bong Joon-ho. Okay. Is how I would say it, and I'm not saying that I'm right. That's just how I would read that Korean name. Dude, he is outstanding, and I could not believe, I didn't realize he was the director of Snowpiercer, which I fucking, fucking love. Right. So good. Dude, I want to do that drug in the movie so bad. I the cro what is it? Chronum. Oh, Cronum. I yeah, I super don't. Remember. I saw Snowpiercer when it came out, and then and didn't hear anything about it for a while. And I feel like it picked up a lot of steam in the last few years. Yeah, because um, people were still talking about it, and I thought, like, man, did I actually watch that that long ago? And it was because I it, it felt like years in between hearing about it. But you know, fantastic movie. I rewatch it every year. Now, um, have you seen uh, relatively new recently on Netflix uh, the movie The Platform? Um, is that the one with um, Peter Dinklage? I don't think so. That's it's a, a Spanish. One. It's another foreign movie. It's Spanish. I believe. Oh no, that's definitely not the one I'm thinking of, dude. It is like Snowpiercer, but in a vertical prison where the food goes down the prison rooms and everybody at the top gets the food as much as they can eat 
and little and less and less food makes it down to the lower floors of people in their cells. Oh, wow. It is dark. Like, they're resorting to cannibalism and trying to find tricks to get to the upper floors. It is... Honestly, I, I... it got a lot of criticisms, but I fucking loved it. I thought it was very fun. I really liked those, like Parasite, these really like, um, I don't know. Some people think they're cheesy, but they're like thinky movies. They, you know, it's they're psychological where, you know, they're making you reconsider something, you know? Yeah, I, they, I like that, that concept. And... I mean, it's got the same kind of a um, morality thing about, you know, class yeah. division. Right. In, exactly. in this movie and in Snowpiercer. And neither Parasite or Rear Window are like traditional horror. I feel like we kind of, in a way, didn't live up to uh, the theme of this episode. But I don't know about you. I'm not big on like, classic slasher horror i i think the psychological is so much more interesting right the the idea of you know it's a real monster this is a real thing that exists you know we we, we even like the um the old monster movies thing is it's it's comical now and right. same with like you know the freddy and jason stuff it's like it's <laughs> it's classic and it's cool aesthetic kind of thing but it's it's just not scary you know the unkillable monster thing it's not it's not what you know keeps me up at night it's real shit like this it's you know class real division people. and real people are scarier yeah absolutely you know yeah. even silence of the lambs you know as as terrifying as those can be and how real monster they are it's still it's hard to separate the fact that it's a character, you know, yeah. a little bit rather than, you know, something like Parasite where these are just people. Yeah. Dude, it's funny. Today I heard uh, Josh Potter on your mom's house uh, call Silence of the Lambs the Lion King of Horror. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> I, I saw that they put a link on a, a short vid on Instagram about that. Very. Very funny comparison. Yeah. And then immediately they all followed up, but I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Parasite was actually genred as a Korean black comedy thriller instead of horror. I can kind of, I see it because of the social commentary. I can see that. Yeah. And, a lot of the previews for it really played that up where the reality is in the movie that was, it was very important, but that was a very subtle piece of the insanity, right? Yeah. And it, it definitely, it wasn't, it for like the first good half of a half of the movie, it was not horror or it's not, you know, even a thriller for that point until suddenly right. it was. It's just beautiful storytelling at first. Yeah. I, I really think it's funny how specific genres are these days, especially with music. Shit's like jungle, lo-fi, trip-hop, stompy music, the lift weights too on Wednesday. What you know, like yeah. it gets crazy. Movies aren't as bad, but uh, music especially. Um, so I don't know about you, like establishing shots of a movie are like so important to me. Every time I watch a movie 
Sarah is always talking at the start of it, and I'm always like, shut up. Like, the establishing <laughs> shot. I got to see how the director does. It's so fucking important. Mm. Um, so this movie, I didn't realize it at first. Um, it, it's, you know, the opening shot, it starts with this beautiful title font of and and the font they used was very interesting it kind of confused me it was a very parasitic feel um in the korean language which is beautiful to begin with um and it's the shot out of this dirty window of their uh semi-basement apartment now what is so interesting is that the last shot of the movie is perfectly symmetrical with this shot but it's the me- it's the negative, like fucking Hitchcock. It's the negative. The first shot is of the past, and the last shot of the movie is near identical, but is the mirrored version of the future. Yeah. And I, I thought that was very cleverly done. Yeah. Um, the entire intro sequence uh, or intro scene, um, I really like. I really, I really digged just how relatable. They made these characters, yeah. the these people. This poor Korean family. Yeah. While also like showing just how normal and I I guess how normal their struggle is to them. Right. Um It it immediately made us empathetic to their family and characters. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, it starts with the dirty window, and it's. Uh, I think right away the son is running around with his phone trying to get Wi Fi in their semi basement apartment, and they're using stolen Wi Fi. They're all hungry. They're folding pizza boxes as a job to get by, like everyone in the family. Um, someone outside is fumigating. And they have stink bugs, so they choose to leave the window open, and all this poison gas comes in. Yeah, that that I had that part as my notes is like they it's free fumigation, right? It's and like it was, fuck. Yeah, that kind of length is wild. It's bad when you're I, willing to tolerate shit like that, you know? Yeah, they. Um, so they're then in that intro, they're they're folding the pizza boxes. To like sell to a local pizza place, I guess. Right. Um, so they come and pick up the pizza boxes, and like a quarter of them were all fucked up <laughs> because I guess they were getting fumigated and they were fucking up, you know, like the half of it, you know, it's not even folded in. Like the, t- the, the side of it's not even, you know, folded up right. Like, you know what that made me relate to? Like, as soon as I heard it was a quarter because there's four of them. Mm hmm. It made me think that one of them was doing it wrong the whole time. And have you ever had that experience when you're like working on a team or a job and like you work so hard on something, you find out one person did it wrong the whole time. Uh, and it's, yeah. it's like they didn't blame that person. They just, they probably all knew and it was like, fuck. It's just like, you know, you're stuck with it. Yeah. Then, I thought know? it was because they were getting fumigated and they were just breathing drugs. <laughs> They that were very well breathing poison. So, what did you think of the the look and aesthetic of this one um, compared to Rear View specifically, or just on its own, whatever? I liked. I mean, it's it's kind of like the the um, 
not the aesthetic that I'm thinking of. It's the the kind of the the point of the movie, but it keeps going back and forth between you know um, you know this this beautiful house and this you know um, you know shitty you know semi basement you know home and or you know apartment and the the contrast. yeah the the contrasting image uh, uh, imagery was really intense. Uh, I, yeah. I like in a, in a really really good way. Um, yeah. Especially seeing, you know, those characters in and out of each setting, um, yeah. showing them, you know, when they're putting on their act versus when they're, um, you know, just being themselves, I think was a really strong uh, visual aspect of, of the movie. I really liked, and we'll build up to those parts for sure. I really liked later when the son asked, does do I look like I fit in here? Right. Like I felt I felt that man. Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. Like, regardless of like you know money situation, just feeling like you don't belong. And for them, it really was a money thing, but it it was a lot more than that too. Um, I really liked like this movie, especially compared to Rear Window. It was very crisp and clean, but it still had a lot of grit. It it almost had that like digital film look where i don't know they're just like things had like a rough fuzz edge at times Mm. in a in a really good way all the shots were very artistic well planned um well executed um it was classically cinematic and very elegant and uh, parts of it remind me of (laughs) this is funny because i saw why this could be considered a black comedy later it reminded me of that always sunny episode with charlie trying to beat the health inspection yeah yeah i can definitely see that it had so many moving parts and causation i I fucking love that episode um do you want to kick us off with kind of like we'll break down the family oh yeah yeah um i i like that you put in um in your notes the the father reminded you of old boy because um, I, I got yeah. vibes of that throughout the entire movie of like the it's the suspenseful like it goes with it's real horror you know it's like a, yeah. you're putting this person in a in a bad situation and the entire yeah exactly the entire last half of this movie um you know no spoilers but there's a lot of suspense yeah. uh, <laughs> and it's you know Sorry. Uh, I was going to say it's just the the way that the um a lot of the the cinematography's done, I think, and um it, it's 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 just brought a lot of those memories of watching that movie back. And I love I fucking love Old Boy. So good. Dude, that hammer scene in Old Boy. It's so good. Um 10-minute fluid scene moving camera of a dude just murdering people with the hammer yeah Ugh. amazing but the dad uh in this he also is starring in some movies recently and one of them he is a gangster drug dealer that looks really good it came out after parasite he's a really so, good actor i like him a lot yeah very good um what'd you think of the daughter Ki? how do you say it Ki jung Ki jung um, is how I would read that. Um, yeah. 
absolutely gorgeous. She was um, very cute. Her character was was probably my favorite character. Um, Me too. The way she... She was so clever. Yeah, it was clever, and the way she commanded herself when they get when she gets into the you know the the family's home, and she you know like, no, you need to leave the room. No, I need to. You you go downstairs. I'll handle this. She, they later said she was the one that looked like she could belong anywhere. Yeah, I love absolutely. That. Um, she 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 pulled off the uh, the heist the not not heist but the the. The con, the, the absolute best. Right. Um, mom is the backbone of the family. She's the practical one. Um, she could, you could tell she had the most, I guess, uh, um, planning behind or the, the most held the most structure behind the plans. Mm. Um, the son really goofy, uh, self-described himself as a, a loser. Um, yeah. Now I, I do want to look into, um, some of the the names that they went by, um, I don't know if it's a common thing to go by an English name or if they, it, they or a Western point, name. At, at one point in the movie, they said that people often have an American or Western name. So, like the son, I I didn't catch his Korean name during the movie, but later he becomes Mister Kevin. Yeah. So uh, there, there's something to to that. I'm not sure how that works exactly. I, I noticed that it, it seemed like they only used their Western. They tried to use their Western name with the rich people. Yeah. Um. I didn't know if that was a, you know, a class thing there. And I also didn't know if maybe part of that was for, um, the sake of it of film. You know, if it was a choice in storytelling to make the movie that could be too yeah more understandable in a way but i have a feeling there's something there yeah um, um so there's um, so the, this is go ahead. this is their family so this is like our core groups of of, of characters and at this movie involves another family and we're going to try to say when we refer to the family we mean this the this group, this yeah, this family, this family, this is the family. This is the family. The the the, the and it, this also this movie made it really fun to root for the bad guy, um, because it's not really like the bad guy. He's the bad guy. It's, it's exactly. It's not really like the bad guy. It's <laughs> when you look at it like they are, you know, who is the parasite, and it's the. You know, it breaks it down into like, you know, there's there's kind of two people, two kinds of people in the world. And it's, you know, the rich and the people that work for the rich. Right. Um, but they are, you know, they're conning their way into this family um, and into their the, life. The rich family. Yeah, the rich yeah. family. Um, they are. So you, you, you root for them because you relate to these people that are like, you know, trying to get their life, get this money. Um, right. So I I really like the way that they went went on with that. Yeah, and it's it's a weird story on how the poor family gets to this rich family. So the son Kevin has a rich friend in university, and this friend trusts Kevin to take over his job of doing English language tutoring to this rich family 
and their daughter, their daughter specifically. Yeah. So Kevin's friend has a crush on this girl and wants to ask her out after he's done traveling abroad for school. So in the meantime, he wants Kevin to be the tutor to make sure that, you know, she doesn't date anybody else, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So this friend, he visits uh, the family and the the poor family, our main family, and he gives them this geostone or a scholar's rock. And it's this big, big rock. Big fucking boulder. Big granite boulder. Yeah. And he says it'll bring the family wealth and prosperity. And that stone became very important and symbolic. Yeah. I like the mom because she's the, the practical one. She instantly was like, I wish you gave us food instead. Right. <laughs> like, kind of sarcastic. It was a good, funny comment. Right. Um, uh, <laughs> they had the, he got his sister uh, Photoshop, the, uh, the fake um, diploma. I thought that was yeah. slick. And she was like really good at it. So with all the fake papers, you go to the interview. <laughs> and yeah, and then and, she doesn't even look at them. Yeah, the other, then, she doesn't even look at the the paper. She's like, "You you got a reference, you're good." Right. Which, dude, there's so much truth to that yeah. in the real world. Yeah, like absolutely. you have to have the damn piece of paper, but it doesn't matter because it's all about the connection. Yeah, no one's gonna look at it. Right. And that's so he gets the interview with the rich family, Kevin. Kevin gets the interview with the rich family, and the con begins. And his family, they they all know that it's a con, and they're all so proud of him. Yeah, like, and I really like the line he said. Uh, Kevin tells his dad, "I don't think of this as a forgery. I'm going to go to school. I just printed it out early." Yeah, and that. That it, I like that. Yeah, I like that. That moment was touching. When when his dad stops him as he's going out the door and says, I'm proud of you. And it's yeah. like, it's for getting these forged papers and going to get a job. Right. You know, it's something. It, you know, it means it means something to them. The, he's providing for his family. Yeah. You know, then he still, he wants to, you know, wants his dad to be like, to understand that he wants to, do better. He wants to have this degree, and yeah, and you, his dad is current. You know, currently out of work, and you know they're doing the, trying to do pizza boxes to get by. But you can tell he is like deeply ashamed of their situation. Yeah, and he's just proud of his son for trying to take care of them. Um, so we got the the old family, our original characters, and then he goes to this job at the rich family's beautiful house that was previously made by an architect and they're super rich yeah su- uh, gorgeous house yeah. you know uh, um, put together extremely well with the 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 yard the fuck the whole neighborhood you know yeah. the way it sits in inside the neighborhood is incredible um the the design of the the upstairs downstairs shit like that it, it's it's just absolutely gorgeous those big open windows, right? And minimalism. Mm. I fucking love that minimalism. The whole would, the whole wall of the the one of the living room was was a window. Yeah, That's I nice. definitely would do a lot of the textures different. But oh man, to have that house and do some crazy shit with it would be outstanding. I I particularly I really enjoy um, 
the the aesthetic of the the Japanese kind of you know as they say Japanese, but like uh, the minimalism that they do, um, and and a lot of the, um, at least in the media portrays of the like a uh, like an Asian home that is of of wealthy people or like wealthy like uh, hotel rooms and shit like that. It's always like super clean and and very uh, uh, tidy. Uh, f- lots of clean flat surfaces. Yeah, shit. right angles. Everything's at right angles. So, what'd you think of uh the rich family's housekeeper? Um, I knowing on the second watch. <laughs> so I don't remember how I felt about her the first time on the first watch. I, on the second watch, I I couldn't find anything notable. Yeah, about her. exactly. Yeah. Um, I was looking for things to to note about the housekeeper this time. Yeah. Now, without giving any more away, how about um, how about the rich mom? Um, also, couldn't. There are scenes in the movie that I'd forgotten about um, entirely, um, especially concerning the mom and the father. Um, but I I I liked her. I feel like I liked her more this this uh, this watch through, which she is was... weird because my original intention again was to root for this other family. <laughs> not that you know, like it's not like it's picking sides in this particular you know in this circumstance, but it's I guess you know it's it's just different. It's the victim versus the. The Victor. Yeah. Victor is it, the right word, not you know. Yeah. Yeah. The, this this mom was very sincere. Um, she was described as simple and she definitely was naive. She was kind of one of those Xanax trophy wives mm-hmm. where she was very kind and cared, but kinda like 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 the kid the the poor kids were kinda like almost trashing her at one point like she's so dumb for believing our lies and the dad was like hey she didn't do anything wrong she's been kind to us you know i thought that was interesting um the rich father was very suave um i, I at first i liked him because he was cool calm and collected um but he was arrogant mm-hmm. um and we'd later see how he kind of looked down on people that he perceived as less than him yeah did you catch, I, I meant to look into it, but I ran out of time. The tech company, he was the owner of a tech company, and it seemed to be ironically titled. It, it was two words, but the first word was brick. Oh, I didn't catch that. I plan on looking into that later. I can, well, I can, I can be an Easter egg. do some, some fun Google stuff if you want to Yeah, continue. as long as we don't give away too much, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. So... Um, the rich family's daughter is the one being tutored by Kevin. And even though she was previously, you know, interested in Kevin's friend, she instead falls in love with Kevin. Um, and then they also have one more very young son who is a boy scout and he wants to be an Indian. So the rich family is buying him all kinds of authentic American Indian bow and arrows tents and he's running around like a little madman um the poor family at one point decides that um 
it's not that they're they they are nice. It's not that they're rich but nice. It's nice. They are nice because they are rich. I did not say that as smooth as I'd like, but that they have the luxury to be kind because their money allows them to be nice. And there's a lot to that. Um, when you're struggling or poor, uh, it's hard to focus and be nice to other people when you need things for yourself. You know, it's kind of, it can be a luxury to be kind. I don't think that um, is like a truth you know yeah like it's it's an excuse at times yeah um so a cursory google search did not yield the name of okay. the company we'll um, do a zoom in on a still frame yeah we'll have to <laughs> we can include that in the uh the instagram if we find it for sure so the rich mom dotes on her little indian child indian wannabe child mm-hmm. um and he had some sort of a but bad incident. Native American Indian. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Native American Indian. And he had some sort of a bad incident last year. And the mom thinks of him as, as special in a, in a sense and believes he's going to be this great artist because he's a little, little off for kids, she thinks. Yeah. So the mom mentions, the rich mom mentions that she'd like her son to see an art therapist so this is when kevin gets his chance to lie and he suggests as he suggests his sister the con artist yeah um not you know of course he's not saying it is it's his sister um but the long short of it is that the daughter becomes the art therapist slash psychologist now so we got two members of the poor family uh, infiltrated in the rich family's lives. So now, yeah, I was going to say, so the, the cool things that she looks at, you know, she talks about, um, the, when she gets in there, they're talking about art therapy and, and a lot of the, the things, um, that she, she points out to the, the mom. Did you look up any of these details? Now I know some of them, my, my little sister is actually, uh, She's working at a hospital now, but she's finishing her license in art therapy. Oh, wow. So I have some information on it, and I do know that everything, all the tools she used to psychoanalyze the art were all bullshit. There may have been evidence of truth over some of those things. Like she said, um, the lower right-hand corner of the child's art was the schizophrenic zone. Yeah. And that the shapes there obviously told about his his uh you know medical state of mind and shit uh, and later she laughs about how she just picked this shit up off of google search i have talked to my sister quite a bit about like you definitely can learn a lot about um a patient by like what art supplies they choose to use or how they go about using them how they um react to working with them or like you know obviously what they're saying but it it, there aren't those like easy telltale signs like if you you know make a stroke this way or use this corner of the paper this way that you're diagnosed with with this you know what i mean yeah i i didn't know how much of that could be 
I guess even deciphered on a on a regular basis. I mean, because I think of computer, you know, or minds like computers. So like, there could be some things that could be uh, uh, picked up like that, uh, or or could be, um, you know, uh, uh, um, Jesus. The, the the there's a word that's escaping me, and I hate it. Um, that could be like across all people or not all people, but most people is like a, Oh, that could be a sign of that. It doesn't mean that it is, but it could be a sign of that. Right. Like an indicator symptom uh, in the art. Uh, Yeah. From what I understand, she, she definitely didn't know what she was talking about, but she was really good at making it seem like it real quick. Was that, is that note? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, So I did like, she used, different memory techniques uh, one of them sarah uses she did the sarah watches people talk sometimes to catch their syllables but she did the the tap the syllables out in on two fingers as a memory a mnemonic kind of technique have you seen that did you catch that yeah i did i did see that yeah i thought i liked that it it reminded me of like memory palace shit now, when you say memory palace. Now, this is why you need to watch the Hannibal show. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did start. I watched the first episode the other night and I was going to get into more of it, but it was it was it was a lot that I want to pay attention to. <laughs> and I had other shit going on. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but did you are you familiar with the palace thing? Um, if you're just using the term memory palace to, to mean brain. Because <laughs> that's what I think of. The idea is you craft, you craft a castle or palace in your head where each room is where you store the memories. So, like, you walk into your memory palace and it's always the same room, and you know, like, like Hannibal's memory palace. the The main room was like the entrance to his favorite cathedral, and if he went to the right there was the next room and then that went into a hallway with the next room. It was a way to organize your thoughts in a mental location. Oh, and it's, it's a very difficult, but it's a very effective memory technique. I might have to do that because my memory's garbage. I've, I've played with that in some other ones and some of them help more than others, but that that one's hard for, because we're both so visual, but you have to, visually create a lot or it's easy for it to get overly complicated yeah but it's i don't know it's kind of fun um so kevin is having a lesson teaching the daughter english do you want to pick up there um i do but my audacity just jumped in front of me and okay that's good um so there excuse me um the, during the lesson, the, the rich mom sends the housekeeper to spy on him. Um, <laughs> the, the I, I thought this was cool, too. I want to look into the uh, this drink, but it's a plum extract yeah. drink um, made from uh, the juice of um, these. I, it looked like pickled plums um, with honey. Because it, it looked like they were in an oil. Yeah. So I didn't know if it was if it's like umeboshi plums or something that'd be like sour with the honey that would be that sounds awesome um yeah infused with honey it just sounded so delicious and refreshing when she said it yeah so but it was a good way to set the scene it reveals the the basement 
Um, and there's like the way that they show it from the kitchen is just like a dark hole, a dark portal in the in the kitchen. The um, entire movie, you never you never once see the steps down. It is like a literal literal portal to hell. They they lit it so clever. Yeah. Like so well done. And that's that's some some good foreshadowing there and it's um yeah. it's the really smart um it, you know cuz it becomes a good a setting for the rest of the movie. Right. Um now what about uh so they're so, trying to get the dad hired. What did you think of the, what the daughter did? I thought it was really good. I thought it was setting super smart. Traps, yeah. Bro. Setting these traps. And so 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 far the Son and the daughter both work for the family. They got it. They see an opportunity to get. Um, the daughter sees an opportunity to get the 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 father in, um, by taking off her panties inside of the uh the drivers the per- family's personal driver. Um, yeah. I guess we should we should point out that the personal driver is giving her a ride home after her therapy session with the son. She right. takes off her underwear inside of the the family bins. <laughs> To get that driver fired. Right. So then, you know, now they're looking for a new driver. Right. Because the rich family thinks this driver is dating prostitutes in their car. So, you know, they fire him. And that way the daughter can get her dad hired on as the new driver. Yeah. It was very clever. And that's, I feel like we didn't explain it as elegantly as the film made it happen. Yeah, it but. was it was super smooth. And the thing is, I I feel like the 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 movie makes it seem like it happens like the next day. It was so natural. Yeah, it just flowed just right. It was all the perfect causation of effect and shit. Uh, I I really liked how the wife uh, she said she thanked them for the chain of recommendations because it was a belt of trust. And she even did a hand motion yeah. of like a spider silk, like the belt of trust. Yeah, the there was... You can tell like, they immediately at that point, like, okay, she's hooked. This is yeah. this is the con on and in full effect. There's no going back at this point. They got it. And, and that definitely was... Like even that moment, the underwear, all that stuff, those definitely were uh, satirical moments where I could see why the movie could be considered a black comedy. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't like, it's not jokes you laugh at, but it's these like funny twists in the plot, you know? Yeah. And I think it was, it's a, so it's like almost, it's after that is when it becomes Yeah. not, yeah. Heavy. So the the family uh, they use the um, <laughs> so they find out that the the housekeeper is allergic to peaches, right? So peaches are the forbidden fruit of the house. Yeah, um, they use uh, peach fuzz. They scrape off and they put it inside of the pen caps. This is this is some some anarchy shit right here. Uh, yeah, they scrape off peach fuzz, put it inside of a pen cap, and they kind of flick it onto her as they go by. Um, they get her you know reacting to it and then she ends up going to the hospital they get a a selfie of her at the hospital (laughs) and um they convince the mom of the uh the xanax wife um that i i like that that's her title now the xanax wife yeah Yeah. um they convince her that she's got 
tuberculosis. TB. Yeah. Um, and dude, I I didn't catch it the first watch. So the son, the poor son, Kevin, he loves hot sauce throughout the movie, and he uses hot sauce on the housekeeper's tissues that she was coughing into to make it look like blood. Yeah. And they later make a reference on how, uh, like, basically hot sauce was the icing on the cake. Yeah. And it was, like, so well done. Yeah. So good. The um, I think that whole, the sequence of events, um, when they, when they, you know, set her up and framed her, couldn't have been done better they're like you know texting each other like like hey we're gonna be home in like eight minutes like hit the uh you know go get her now and they they got her so she was coughing when they walked in the door and then you know got her tissue and put the the hot sauce on super super well played out and and they literally are the poor family is writing the script of their lines out and rehearsing. Oh how they yeah, so good. They're they're in their their sub basement, just fucking going yeah. for it, reading lines and acting it out. And they're like, no, 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 that's that's too much. Pull, play, pull it back. <laughs> Bring your in. emotions down here. Yeah. yeah. Now, do you remember our high school? Our teachers were allergic to bananas. No, dude. Yeah, I won't say it, but the twins were deathly allergic to bananas. I had apparently. no idea. I bought banana oil at one point. <laughs> I thought maybe we could get them out of school for a while, but apparently like they would instantly die. So I for a while I kept it in my locker as like, eh, maybe. But I call the shots here. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I remember they were always fucking late for class and they were one of those teachers that didn't know how to use their computer at all so i was always unplugging shit when they're late for class and one day i took scissors and cut all the cords of the projector and they didn't know who did they were so angry it took like two months to get a new projector going oh wow awesome. <laughs> get that get that public school fuck them i took an f in art history because i had all my credits done already and i didn't need to take the class but they made me so I just sat there every day and didn't take a single test or quiz. They hated me. Did, by the didn't end you of say that. they just stopped bringing them? Stopped yeah. bringing anyone? They wouldn't even bring. I I literally just sat there every day and wrote how many minutes late they were, and then I drop it off at their the principal's office every day. Damn. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Yeah. Um. So sorry, where were we? Oh, uh, the basement, basement smell. smell. Yeah, the the uh, the son of the rich family. This was I thought this was really interesting how deep it got. Um, yeah, because they the son the the rich family son uh, smells the driver, and then he runs over and he smells the the housekeeper, and he's like, they smell the same, right? And it's like you know he's young enough that they're like like what are you talking about? Like fuck off, yeah, kid, go play. And they realize that, it, you know, they're talking about using, you know, like, man, do we got to use different detergent now? And like, that means we got to do different <laughs> loads of laundry for each person. Like, that's crazy. And they're like, no, no, no. It's the smell of the sub basement. Right. You can't hide it. Yeah. Dude, that's the worst. Like, if you're ever in a situation where like you live a place where it affects how you smell or like, like you don't smoke, your neighbors are smokers, the building's fucked up, your washing machine's broken, and you can't, that's such a humiliating feeling. Yeah. When you can't control how you smell. Yeah, my my um, 
last apartment I lived in, there was no possible way that my apartment wasn't going to smell like smoke. Right. And I would air it out, and then sometimes, it, some days it was better, but there is no getting around it. Right. No. It's some of, sometimes, you know, where you live puts so much out of your control. And this family, like, the father particularly, he was very embarrassed about it. And the smell becomes a problem where it's almost blowing their cover. Yeah. Like, they're rolling down the windows while he's driving. You know, like, it's a problem. Yeah. So... At one point, the rich family leaves for what seems like it would be a weekend to go camping, and the poor family is partying. This is their house now. Yeah, they're they're drunkenly claiming it's theirs, and it's beginning to thunder and rain as they're making these big lines. Um, at one point, one of them says, "Rain is falling on our on our lawn while we sip whiskey." Yeah, that there was this is a beautiful scene where they're just they they're feeling what it what it could be like, what it would be like to to have this comfort. These and they're luxuries. proud of themselves. Yeah, they feel yeah. they feel like it's theirs already. They're empowered. They're making plans on how they could take it all from them at some point. Oh yeah, how if the son it. marries the the daughter, then daughter. this is yeah. our in laws' house, right? Uh, and they'd hire actors to be the grandparents. Yeah, that's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Fuck yeah. right as they're saying the rain falling on the lawn, or rain falling on our lawn while we sip whiskey, thunder clashes, then the doorbell rings. Yeah, and it is an oh fucking shit moment. It's so good. It changes like on a dime. So good. Um. Who was at the door? It was the old housekeeper. Ooh. Dun, dun, dun. Such a minor character. Yeah. And all of a sudden, she, you know, she's on the video monitor. She's in a craze, and she convinces them to let her in because she left something important in the basement. Yeah. Down the portal to hell. So... And- I think it's like she's... Like you said, she's in a craze. She's like smiling. Her teeth are you know, exposed kind of thing. And like, that's reason enough, but like, because she's trying to, I think it was because she's trying to like, not seem suspicious. She, right. let, they that felt, she lets her in. They felt like they had to let her, let her in yeah. to maintain their story in a way. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like that's the last possible thing I would do. Yeah. Shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Big mistake. <laughs> But uh, that's yeah. If we're gonna stop, stop for spoilers. There, that's yeah. where it becomes. You know, a th- really becomes a thriller. Um, psychotic. Yeah, a, a literal uh, psychological horror at its finest. It's really, really well done. I mean, the entire movie is super well done. But the the, the second half of the movie, how it erupts into what yeah. it does. That's um, a great verb. Yeah, for that. And things basically spiral out of control of the poor family. And at one point, the father has this amazing quote, which really felt like like kind of one of the main messages of this movie. Whether it was right or wrong, um, he says, With no plan, nothing goes wrong. Nothing fucking matters. Yeah. And his son is just like, you could tell it was like crushing in a way for him to hear, but he, he understood those words for the first time in a way. Yeah. I, uh, I 
was debating that line because I, I also, I, I feel, I feel like I resonate with that and I feel like I, I don't, yeah. but I, I, I was able to put it into perspective on a macro scale in life, like in life in general, having no plan is the best way because he, as he says it in the movie, the the only plan that doesn't fail is no plan at all. Right. Having, you know, because if you make a plan, you know, the gods laugh at you, you know, that's going to change right. life spits in your face. And so for that matter, absolutely. I think for, for small, like independent things, uh, i I've always liked the saying, um, failing to plan is planning to fail. For sure. You know, for, for small, you know, tasks and stuff like that, absolutely. But I think there's I think there's a lot of ways to look at it. Even in the context like that nothing fucking matters when your shit's fucked up. Yeah. Like their lives are a mess. And even if you just like thought of it in that like small scope, mm-hmm. like when when you're making bad decisions and everything's mixed up. It really, your plans won't matter because nothing matters. It's all so fucked up. But like you said, I, I mean, like my life's going much better than it has for a long time, but I know part of me that oppressive parts, the parts that are fucked up, I will always resonate with the feeling that nothing fucking matters. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, that's a normal thing on different scale. Like, I think a lot of people would feel felt that line. Yeah. I I think it's at least in my own way it's easier to feel it's, it's to let go of certain stresses when you remember that just it's this is all for me. This is all this is nothing. This none of this fucking matters. Right. You know, I'm I'm doing this to myself. I'm putting this this pressure on myself. Um yeah. It could be freeing. Yeah, absolutely empowering even at times the the moral flex of this movie is wild (laughs) i really like the way they kind of border on like like what you were saying earlier it's like who's who's the victim here kind of thing and like at the end of the near the end of the movie there are you know clear victims of certain things um right but in in general like yeah the, who's the bad guy you know is the real kind of thing there um i w- i do want to say there was one moment in the movie that the scene stuck with me um i really liked it and i i want to get a high resolution version of it because it make a good wallpaper for my computer <laughs> um and it's the scene where the daughter of the poor family is sitting on a toilet and it's exploding while the house is flooding underneath her and she's smoking a cigarette and it's just kind of fade to music. There's no dialogue in that direct moment, but she's just sitting there. Yeah. Beautiful. I I love that. I knew you were going to mention that shot, dude. Yeah. It was a super good one. But what I love too is that, like a lot of people that smoke the cigarette at the bad time scene, it's like they're defeated. Often in in film like that, yeah, she didn't give a fuck. Yeah, she, you, it was almost like pride. It was it was a very powerful scene, yeah. and you could tell like she was empowered. Yeah, when you have nothing, sometimes yeah, I don't know. There's something there. Yeah, 
It was beautiful. The um, I I noticed you have in here that the ending made you cry. Yeah, like it wasn't it like is, a a sob cry, but it was like uh it, you know twinkle it, twinkle stars. Ma- like make sure make so sure sad. your face get a little warm and your oh yeah, yeah the, the tears well up a little bit. Similar to nineteen seventeen. Yeah, I will say. Um, I I really felt this movie was like the perfect showcase of writing like just excellent writing a mastery of scene creation uh and and cause and effect in right i mean everything affected everything everything played a part it was so intelligently designed um i think there are probably so many more uh like subtleties and little hidden symbolic moments that we we've missed because Mm -hmm. it was just full of so many aspects i i know there was something there but i didn't know exactly what it was the the oil and the blood um oh yeah you're right plums there's something there i don't know exactly what it was saying but there's something i know there were a ton of things um blood is thicker than walter (laughs) that's the name of like solve the moment episode (laughs) dude like right as it like was making me cry at the end. The director twists the knife one more time. Oh, I forgot about that part. One more little twist. And that one, it wasn't one that like I, I couldn't feel coming in a way, but it was just one more twist of perspective that was just excellent. Yeah, just- I had completely forgotten about that on this watch, and I thought I remembered how it ended, and then I, I didn't. Right. Yeah. And it, you're like, how the fuck could I not remember that? Ah, so good. Yeah, um, I do want to <sighs> point out. I saw. I was looking up some some stuff on the movie. Um, apparently, our our good friend Mr. Trump, <laughs> uh, he was talking shit about Parasite um, at a campaign rally back in February 2020. Um, he really? was he's questioning why a foreign film won best won best picture at the Oscars because um, it was better yeah so his stupid his comments were widely condemned as xenophobic and racist um the distribution company of the parasite neon (laughs) responded by tweeting it's understandable he can't read oh so good yeah i thought that was really good i didn't know where you're going with that at first i I like where it ended yeah (laughs) when i said our good friend donald trump you didn't realize where that was going didn't realize i was gonna talk shit about him (laughs) Oh man, just both of these films—they were just so cleverly crafted. Yeah, and the writing was superb. I—I I don't give a fuck if they're traditional horror or not. I—I I just think these. I mean, th- I think they both represent. You know, one represents old horror and one represents new. But they both—it doesn't matter the fucking genre because they're amazing. It's all about the writing. Yeah, I—I I really liked. I think these two movies in particular were really good comparable movies and, and, and not in the yeah. way that they're plot wise, not similar at all, but the, the idea of the, the suspense of um, in particular part of the, the second half of parasite um, it's, there's a very suspenseful section of it that, that, it gets me every time of like 
like it's creepy. Yeah, are they going to get caught? Is this going to be right. a thing? Is this like when are they going to you know when are they going to f- be f- be found out? You know. Yeah. And that's Sarah. Sarah bailed because it was giving her so much anxiety. Yeah. It wasn't that she was creeped out. She was just like, I cannot handle this. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um. And it was easier this time than the first time, uh, for sure. Yeah. But, um, there's still parts where I'm like, oh shit, oh fuck. Um. <laughs> but I think that's that's the similar idea of the you know what the rear window does is. You know, it makes you go like, oh, fuck, like that they're seeing some shit like this might be a thing. And I, what I liked about Rear Window is it kind of lets you go back and forth of like, is he tripping? Like, is this actually did he actually see some shady shit go down? Like, yeah. Um, and then people convince you back and forth and you're like, oh, maybe it wasn't anything. And then it's back on like, oh, fuck. No, it, it's that's pretty fucked up. Definitely. Um, yeah. So that's that was a a, a fun back and forth for that. Window is it's it feels more timeless in a way. It has magical qualities, um, both in the aesthetic and dialogue. But I I found Parasite to be much wittier in a sense and and way more subtle. Yeah. Way creepier. Yeah. Um, The, The first time I watched it, I was I even remember thinking to myself like how is that you know supposed to be like a a horror movie like it's it's fucked up and i guess it's you know by definition it's not really not it's a thriller um but it was more it was so social commentary to me the first yeah. time i watched it that i wish we could explain that more but we don't want to give anything fully away i mean but it, it, there's an i think there's enough in you know understanding that it's a a family yeah, yeah. yeah that's you know they're somewhat you know forming a i think the 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 wikipedia says they're forming a symbiotic relationship with this rich family yeah you know and definitely. that's you know they they need this rich family to survive and that's so much of the working class is based on you know like look at what you know when, when people that work at grocery stores and restaurants became essential workers all of a sudden you know, that's yeah. not, they don't just work at McDonald's flipping burgers. They're all oh, those, these are, these are essential workers, you know, it's a very quick paradigm shift and it, it will be temporary. I mean, it's not going to be. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's thing. fuck. It's, it's already over, you know, immediately right. when people can come back to restaurants and they're being shitty again, you know, that's bad a... tippers and whatnot. We had somebody, let me, let me put somebody on blast real quick. Somebody came into our restaurant today and they asked if they could put a, uh, they could tip on, on their credit card. And I said, yo, yeah, absolutely. And it comes up on the screen. It's on the, the iPad or whatever. And they, yeah. it comes up and it gives the option of no tip, 10%, 15%, and then custom. And this this fucking bitch, she goes out of her 5%. way. She, no, she goes out of her way to hit uh, custom. Yeah. And usually that means they're putting in more or just a specific right. amount. That's you yeah. know whatever. And so for her bill, ten percent would have been like six bucks. <laughs> um, and she goes in and and types in two dollars, oh which is God. yeah, it's like less. It was about six percent. Of of uh of of her entire bill and it's like really like you can't even give us ten percent of a thing you're gonna go that okay cool got it fun now 
I don't want to sound insensitive with this uh, takeout or this or eating there. This was takeout, and it's so it gets confusing. It, get, it does get, it does get con- confusing. It's a counter service restaurant where you are when you're calling in an order, or you know, even if you're putting it online for that matter, you're the tip goes to the people that are making your food and communicating right. to you about what you want. The difference would be in a service restaurant, in, a, in a, a restaurant where you sit down and someone brings you the food out, that tip still goes to multiple people. It goes to like the busser and shit like that. And that's, I think the thing that a lot of people don't understand is like when you tip your, your server $5, they don't get to keep $5. Typically, a portion of that's going to go right. to the bartender and to the busser and sometimes to the kitchen. Right. Almost never to the kitchen, but that's in some places they do that. Um, but no, I fully, fully agree. People do not tip enough. I do see how it could be confusing on a pickup order to not know and what is I, expected. I agree with and that. It's not too. an excuse. In this particular situation, we took her order, but yeah, it was it was a it was a hassle. To, to get special shit done for this order, um, which just, most of our customers are are that way. Right. Need special attention. <laughs> you want to just like charge more to the card. Yeah. You know what? Fuck it. It's like, you know, really 10, you know, you could see the number 10% when the normal of tipping is, is 15 or 20%. I don't know. I, it, I've been working in the restaurant industry low. for a while. Yeah, dude. I don't to see that I, and go like to to purposely ask like, and I can put a tip on here. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then less, yeah, and than then fifteen percent, yeah, and then less than less than ten. It's like all right, cool. Like oh no, That's I I, I want a tip, but not that much. Um, right, I'll, I'll give you. A, here, here's a couple $4. bucks, kid. Go get yeah. go get a pack of gum. Thanks, man. <laughs> um, so of these two movies, though, um. I feel like Parasite. I, I Parasite. Yeah, I like more. I think I'll watch 100%. it more often. Um, Honestly, I'll. I think I'll probably end up watching over the course of my life. I bet I watch Rear Window more, but I think Parasite is by far my favorite. I think I'll definitely tell people to go watch Rear Window more often than I would tell people to watch Parasite, only because there are right. some graphic in you know, whatnot pieces of parasite that, I mean, if I strongly recommend a movie, if I wanted someone to understand like what I like in movies, I'll definitely tell them to watch parasite. Um, yeah. T- tell the norms to watch uh rear window. Yeah. Tell the cool stuff. Tell, tell everybody to watch rear window. Tell the good pe- tell the cool people to watch parasite. Yeah. Um, for sure. Which was also weird because I mean, Parasite's on Hulu, which I feel like everybody either has a Hulu account or they know someone who does who they steal it from, um, yeah. which is fair. But like, I liked my Parasite viewing experience because it opened with an ad for McDonald's, and that was fun. It's <laughs> brought to you, brought to you by McDonald's. <laughs> Parasite, come get this fucking Big Mac. So such an inappropriate sponsor, right? Um, so for our next cycle, I mean, next episode is our 
freestyle, freestyle. right? So oh, yeah, fun, chill vacation. And I know <laughs> you said that you have some ideas for the next cycle already. Do we want to yeah. figure it out during the freestyle? Do we want to do? I'm I'm potentially down for that. How about we have our ideas prepped and then we discuss them through? Yeah. On that, and I, that'll be cool. I don't think we should spend the the, the entire episode doing it, but you know, <laughs> I, I think that should be that could be a fun a fun segment. We'll, we yeah. can figure out a fun way to do that. Cool, we'll do it. Right, cool. Um, do you got any dishonors or advice I, before we get out of here? I do. So I mentioned earlier in my in my honorable mentions that I started watching Dragon Ball because of uh, because of, of my friend Brittany <laughs> up in Toronto um, is is in getting into it and. I got inspired by it. So um, I want to give a dishonorable mention to myself for living in Detroit now for five years and never going to visit Toronto. And now that I have time to potentially in my schedule, I'm legally not able to. You can't cross the border unless it's uh, uh, business related or, you know, essential. Really? Yeah. That's a With thing. COVID? Yep. Mm. That damn coronavirus. It'll be open. Yeah, eventually. But uh, one of these days. And when I do, I'm gonna come visit the Squamly. Come hang out with my uh, my George Brown people. Um, Fuck yeah. But until then, I have dishonored myself. <laughs> I will cut off my pinky. Seppuku. <laughs> yeah, I will. I will commit seppuku. Oh shit. Um, I don't got anything. Um. Fuck the world. Uh, nothing fucking matters but watch good movies and talk to friends about art. And go pet a cat. Uh, go pet a cat. Thanks again for listening. Um, thank you to Approaching Human for the use of his music. You can find his work on SoundCloud at Approaching-Human. Thanks, John. Uh, um, make sure to check out the show page at Trash Cats Trash Cast on Instagram for news and art from the show. Yeah, we spent forever getting that shit up there today. So you fuckers better check yeah, it out. Yeah, Steven works his ass off for the Instagram. <laughs> Ugh, I feel like I, I give moral support. <laughs> and I'm going to try uh, to help more in the future. If you're bored, you can check out my trash yard on Instagram at Skyzix, S-K-Y-Z-I-C-X. And I will say, uh, the artist Billis said my art was mad this week. And the director of... Uh, Fucking Carts of Darkness just followed me today. So, there's some precedent there. Whoa. For real, check out these movies if you haven't seen them. Um, so good. And uh, tune in next Wednesday for our episode on... What was it? It's our uh, freestyle. Oh, that's our next one, but... That's yeah, the one that's right. coming out after this episode. You're right. I kept thinking last week's episode. Aww. Aww. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got anything else? Nope, that's going to be it. All right. Uh, that's going to be all for us today. Stay classy, eat trashy. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks.
No, I, I, I agree. We, we gave enough detail that it's enough to lure someone who hasn't seen it and might not have looked it up. Um, enough that someone who's interested in it was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I got that clip now. Yep, right, I, I don't know who that impression was. <laughs> Yo, I, I was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, I got denim for days. <laughs> <laughs>